Good morning on this Harvest Sunday. My name's John and if this is the first time you're watching this I'm really glad you found us. I hope the next 15 minutes is going to give you something to think about and an invitation to use your brain for a change. I'm going to continue speaking on our theme of fruitfulness that we have been looking at for quite a number of Sundays. I'm going to ask, what does it mean to be fruitful? What does fruitfulness look like? And if it's something we want, what can we do to be fruitful? This is church and here we read the Bible. So I'm going to start by reading a passage from John's Gospel. That's in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, so slightly over halfway. And it's the fourth book in the New Testament. And I'm going to be reading from chapter 15. I'll be reading from a version called the New Testament for everyone. But read along in your own translation. So reading from John's Gospel, chapter 15. This is Jesus talking to his disciples just before he's arrested and tortured and eventually executed by being nailed to a cross. I am the true vine, says Jesus, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't bear fruit and he prunes every branch that does bear fruit so it can bear more fruit. You are already clean, that's because of the words I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. The branch can't bear fruit by itself, but only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. People who remain in me and I in them, they're the ones who bear plenty of fruit. Without me, you see, you can't do anything. If people remain in me, they're thrown out like a branch and they wither. People collect the branches and put them on the fire and they're burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will happen for you. My Father is glorified in this, that you bear plenty of fruit and so become my disciples. You see in this reading that Jesus calls himself the true vine. He's been with his apprentices, his disciples now for about three years. And although he's made reference to vines and vineyards in a few of his parables, nobody's referred to Jesus up until this point as far as we know. And Jesus hasn't explicitly called himself a vine and especially not the true vine. So what's going on here? Now, in the Mediterranean, both then as now, vineyards, vines were very common. So it's not surprising that he uses an image that would be familiar to lots of people. But the audience he's speaking to, first century Jews, would have understood the significance 
of him calling himself the true vine. Because in the Jewish scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament, repeatedly in the Psalms, in Isaiah, in Jeremiah and other books, the writers refer to Israel, that's God's family or God's people, as a vine or a vineyard. And repeatedly, the writers have an expectation that the fruit of this vine would be justice and fairness, not just in Israel, but for the whole world. You see, Israel had a mission to obediently serve God and worship him alone. And even now, devout Jews will start each day with a prayer they call the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And the fruit of the vineyard that was the nation of Israel, God's family, was to be justice and fairness for the whole world. But Israel failed. They worshipped other gods. They, they committed idolatry and they didn't keep up their end of the deal. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to fulfil Israel's mission. I'm going to be faithful and obedient to God, who Jesus referred to as his father. I will remain and bring justice and fairness to the whole world, even through the sacrifice of my death on a cross. See, God called Adam and others, Abraham, Moses, David, but they all at some point failed to complete the job given to humanity. So God came as Jesus. God has always looked like Jesus. There's never been a time when God hasn't looked like Jesus. We haven't always known this, but now we do. In fact, when God came as Jesus, he was fulfilling the mandate that humanity had always had. See, the very first thing God said to the human race that he created in Genesis 1, verse 28, was be fruitful. It wasn't just a, pl a plan. It was a blessing and a command. And the fruit God was looking for was justice and fairness for the whole world. God explicitly promises this through his friend Abraham when he writes in Genesis 12 and again in Genesis 22, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and later through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Jesus, the true vine, shows us what it is to be fruitful. He shows us when he refuses to condemn or stone a woman caught in adultery. When he gives sight to a blind man, or he heals a lame man, or he raises back to life a dead child, or later on Lazarus, his friend who's died and calls him out of the grave. This fruit 
looks like turning the lives of thieves and prostitutes and murderers, turning their lives completely around so they become the founders of God's renewed family on the earth, the local church. He describes this fruit in the prayer he taught his disciples to pray when he said, Our Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And the writer here, John, calls our fruitfulness God's glory. In verse 8, he says, My Father, that is God, is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit. So our fruitfulness as God's glory is not insignificant. It's not a small thing. In fact, it has global significance because the knowledge of God's glory will cover the earth just like this coronavirus has gone round the earth but unlike this virus the experience of God's glory brings life and liberty and freedom to those who, who, who receive it. So how can we bear fruit even much fruit. If we go back to the verse that we read at the beginning, there is one word that appears more often than all the others. And that word is remain. Older versions would have it as abide. And repetition is a way of indicating significance or importance. So John is telling his readers the main way we can bear fruit is to remain in Jesus and his spirit and presence to remain in us. So what does it mean to remain? At its most superficial level, it means to remain in the community that loves and knows Jesus, the local church. And I would ask anybody who wants to apprentice with Jesus to consider carefully how they can do this on their own, apart from a local body of believers. For all its flaws and weaknesses and recognising, no church is perfect. And on a deeper level, remaining in Jesus has to impact us personally. We don't go to church, we are the church, individually and corporately by remaining in Jesus, not just as a task or something to do, but as a heart posture a lifestyle. We choose to be with Jesus, to become like him and one with him, to do what he does. We have, as the writer Eugene Peterson puts it, long obedience in the same direction. We have a discipled and disciplined heart and our life models Jesus's prayer. Our Father, your kingdom come, your will be done in us on earth as in heaven. His words, not just scripture, but the conversational voice of the eternal one informs our motives and our missions and our mandates. So when we read the passage later on in this chapter, when the writer says, if you remain in me, 
my words remain in you. Ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John calls these answered prayers our fruit and God's glory. And God still reserves the right to refuse to answer any prayer that undermines our purpose. So what does this look like in the life of a person who lives this discipled, disciplined life? I want to tell you about a man called Frank Laubach, who was an American missionary who in 1915 travelled to the Philippines and by 1930 he'd settled in Mindanao in the highlands with the Moro people. Now they were mostly illiterate, mostly Muslim and highly hostile to Christians. And during this time, Frank began what he called his experiment with minutes, where he endeavoured to be conscious of God's presence with him every minute, at least once a minute, every minute he was awake. And he kept a diary during this time. And during the first few months, he'd manage about half an hour a day, which is more than I do on a good day. But gradually, with his intention to remain in Jesus, he became increasingly aware of God's presence with him in the mundane, the cleaning his teeth, walking the dog, doing the laundry. Why am I telling you this? Well, the fruit of Frank's game his game with minutes and his remaining in Jesus was the development of a literacy programme that he used to teach half a million Mindanao people, the Moros, to read in their own language and so to read the Bible and has been used over the last 90 years to teach 60 million people to read in their own language. This is what fruitfulness can look like. Our fruit is designed to change the world for the glory of God. And this is what's possible for those who choose to remain in Jesus. Choose a remainer life. There's another element to remaining in Jesus and being fruitful. And that is pruning. See, the verse that we read earlier on says he cuts off. Another translation is that he lifts up every branch that doesn't bear fruit and he prunes every branch that does so it can bear more fruit. So you're lifted out of the dirt and dark of the mundane, everyday life so that you can bear fruit. And then you're pruned so you can bear more fruit. See, if left to its own devices, the branches of a vine will just trail along the ground. So it needs to be lifted up, trained and pointed at the sun. But even then, if again, if it's not pruned, it will put the energy and life it draws from the vine into making leaves, not fruit. It just 
draws attention to itself rather than being fruitful. So our being fruitful means that our tendency to self-promotion, to compare ourselves with others, our envy and jealousy of others' favours, our apathy and passivity, our delight in our own ideas, thoughts and projects, unless they are cut off and pruned, all we'll do is we'll use the life, the favour and the talent God has given us to draw focus to ourselves and not to God and his glory. You can't live in places you haven't died. No discipline or discipling is easy and at times it's painful. But if you want to bear fruit that remains, there is no plan B. But as apprentices of Jesus, we are all remainers. We're remaining in him to become like him and one with him, to bear the fruit that he bears, pray the prayer that he prays. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to do what Jesus does. Thank you for listening. Now go and be fruitful.